Welcome to the Mindset Neuroscience Podcast. This is really just a mini episode, and I'm actually going to just read a couple of articles that I've written recently. I will post a more official podcast interview in several weeks in December, um, but I wanted to just give something for this month of November, and I've had people tell me that they enjoy listening to my voice. So I thought I would offer that and some of the words that have emerged for me over the last couple of months. So this first article is entitled Love, Purpose, and Relational Realities. I'm taking a quote from Esther Perel, a relationship expert who I enjoy learning from. And she starts with first a phrase that is, love is at once an affirmation and a transcendence of who we are. And I love that quote because I think it reflects a lot of how relationships allow us to reflect on and mirror back some of what we learn about ourselves as well as our own protective mechanisms, but they also allow us to transcend our past and transcend our, what we were modeled when we were little as well. So the next quote from her, which is a little bit longer that I have in this article, is And what is true for human beings is true for every living thing. All organisms require alternating periods of growth and equilibrium. Any person or system exposed to ceaseless novelty and change risks falling into chaos, but one that is too rigid or static ceases to grow and eventually dies. This never-ending dance between change and stability is like the anchor in the waves. Adult relationships mirror these dynamics all too well. We seek a steady, reliable anchor in our partner, yet at the same time we expect love to offer a transcendent experience that will allow us to soar beyond our ordinary lives. The challenge for modern couples lies in reconciling the need for what's safe and predictable with the wish to pursue what's exciting, mysterious, and awe-inspiring. And that's from her book, Mating in Captivity. What I love about it and is very much the absolute pillar of attachment theory is the paradox between connection and individuality. Or you could say that reliability, that anchor, that safety, and that freedom to explore and master ourselves. So there is a lot of dance that goes into relationships where we do want to have that reliability but we also want to have mystery and excitement as well
And my article, how I start, is I talk about how our past influences our present. That no matter how strong a connection we may feel to someone, there's always a chance that our past experiences and insecurities might influence our current experience with them. Relationships have this incredible potential for us to transcend, to update our algorithms, and to amplify what we bring into the world because we get to have someone else's completely different background and insights and different kind of masculine or feminine type of energy. We get to balance and amplify all of that with us. So they have such an incredible potential, but to really increase the chances of honoring that kind of potential, we do need to stay open to how our own distortions from our past experience might lead us to think and behave in ways that close off the connection. They may close down the potential of our partner and ourselves. And what can happen is that when we allow for those past experiences to cloud our thinking and distort how we're perceiving things, that we can close off our connection to ourselves, to our most inner desires, and to what's important to us. And we may even stop exploring the world in a really curious and wonder-filled way. So that's something that I've seen happen in a lot of relationships, where at least one partner becomes very anxious and preoccupied and consumed by trying to keep things a certain way in a relationship. And by doing that, they end up over-monitoring their partner, over-monitoring over the relationship and forgetting about themselves, forgetting about what makes them happy, what lights them up. And in doing that, they end up not bringing their absolute best to the partner as well. So what I then talk about in this article is that the more deeply we can experience life in all its forms and in all moments, the more deeply we can experience another person. When we're not really present in life, and what I'm talking about here is that relationships are not just about how we are when we're in the presence of another person. They are about what we do in the space in between. What do we do in the moments where we're not together? What do we do when we are on our own or with strangers or with colleagues or children or whatever that is? How we take care of ourselves and how we immerse ourselves deeply into life has a lot to do with how we're able to show up for somebody else. And what can lead a lot of relationships into feeling stuck or for there to be levels of resentment is a concept called self-abandonment. And I'll go deeper into that possibly in some content. It's definitely something I want to explore in some partner-led retreats that I would like to do in 2023. But a basic idea of it is that we oftentimes in relationships, because of the self-doubts and insecurities and past stuff that comes up, that's often playing out unconsciously, we start to abandon ourselves and we abandon paying attention to our own growth, our innermost wounds, our innermost healing, and what really lights us up and what we know to be our power and our strengths and our capacities to get up when we fall, to be resilient, 
to master life in some ways. So there's a self-abandonment that happens in a lot of unhealthy and failed relationships. get clear about our deepest needs and desires and a big part of our desires come from really exploring and experimenting with life and to do that as richly and deeply as we can in every moment that we can as we do that and we experience life really deeply we get so connected with our preferences and what lights us up and what grounds us what regulates us And that is a way to really enhance a partnership because the clearer we are on all of those things, the more we know that those things are important to us as well. So we know to maintain them and protect them while we're in relationships rather than abandon our preferences, abandon our values or what matters. And that also really helps us find and choose the right partners for us. Because the clearer we are on what really lights us up, what really is kind of our sense of mission and purpose and love and joy in the world, the more when someone shows up that matches that so completely and resonates with it so clearly, it makes that decision just much more powerful for us. And it makes it easier for us to know when we're not aligned with someone. And then even when we are in relationship, it helps us keep our sights on that North Star for us, on what really matters. And I think that's a really, really important part of relationships that I often see missing. I see one or both partners kind of forget about what really, really matters to them, and that light starts to dim. So I think we have a chance as a species to start upgrading what our relationships can really look like. The challenge is that because of our past patterns, because we have experience-dependent brains that do create predictive algorithms, and those algorithms get us to prepare and tense and anticipate hurt and rejection and unfulfilled needs, unfulfilled desires within relationship, because of all that, we tend to, that actually influences our attentional mechanisms when we are in a relationship. So we end up looking for things that predict our past and that closes us off from being really truly open to trying to see someone as they are and to also see ourselves and how we might be playing out things in a way that is closing off connection or overwhelming someone or something like that that is less healthy for the relationship. So one thing we can do is decide that there's really two choices within a relationship and within our attempts to have relationships. One choice is to stay open to learning and specifically to learning about love, learning about what love truly is. What is it as, as it manifests as behavior? What is it as it manifests as a way of looking at someone, understanding them and ourselves? And the other choice is to protect ourselves. So it's really a choice between those two, staying open to learning about love, and that includes love for ourselves as well, 
or protect, protect ourselves. So one thing that we can do on that journey then, if we do decide to stay open to learning, is we can learn how to recognize the patterns of our protective mechanisms. One really important thing to understand here is that no matter what our past experiences have been, most of our parents were imperfect in their parenting. That's just human nature. It's really hard to get around that. The paradigm I I feel we need to highlight a bit more is less that we absolutely have to have perfect parenting, we need to have good enough parenting, and we need to have really strong parenting, but in the case that we don't, we need to figure out how we can learn to update that within relationships now. Otherwise, it's a fairly hopeless picture. (laughs) So that's a really big part of my mission to understand that I do feel like it's possible to update our past, to update these predictive algorithms and to make progress. One way that we can start to recognize these patterns is that, first of all, if we are noticing that there's something very repetitive about what seems to keep happening, either in relationship after relationship or in the same relationship, if it keeps feeling like it's the same kind of cycle, then that means that our responses are not being updated. And if that's happening, that generally means that if it's coming from this kind of unhealthy, repetitive place, that generally means that there is not learning that is occurring. And when learning is not occurring, that's usually because something has shut down and that's usually because we're in some kind of defensive or self-protective state. And that has to do with just how our nervous system operates. It will not open up the blood flow, the circuits, all of that, the attention won't open up to learning if we are vigilant and protective and defensive. If we are not in a actual physically abusive or other kind of abusive relationship or a life-threatening situation, then the fact if we are shutting down and we're not learning and we're having very repetitive kind of reactions that we really don't want to have, it's helpful for you to think about how you might be able to take steps to learn from experts, from relationship experts, from models that you have in your own life of healthy relationships to open up to learning about yourself, learning about where these past, your past experiences have influenced your thought patterns, your beliefs about yourself, which then distort how you might be seeing events that are happening in your current experiences. And one thing I usually like to say when it comes to all of this is that generally speaking, if you have a very strong emotional reaction, particularly negative reaction to somebody you are currently in relationship with now, there's a very strong chance that this is not the first time you have had that kind of feeling, that kind of reaction. The roots are going to go back 
and I'm going to guess that the roots go far back into your childhood because our very first relationships with our caregivers, those are the template for what is it like to have an extremely important person in your life that you in some ways rely on to be your emotional anchor. They are the template for that. So whoever is in a relationship with you now, it will trigger that template in that sense. It's different than a friend. It's different than a colleague. It's different than a stranger. When you are in a pair bond, when you are in an intimate relationship, that is the same template because of the reliance that you're going to have on that person. Like they, at some point, you may want them as their, your emergency contact, for example. That's the same role that your caregiver used to play. So those templates kind of transfer in that sense. The other part of the article that I just want to point out is that we can't control the thoughts and emotions of another person. We also can't make them be the right fit. Some people are, there's just going to be dynamics that don't allow us to align with our highest vision or to really optimize our functioning. So that also exists. Um, But what we can, no matter what, aspire to, no matter what the situation is, we can always aspire to have a higher level of mastery over our internal state in response to events and people. And when we do this, we get access to more complex forms of intelligence within us because we're not restricting energy for self-preservation. And when we do this, when we get access to that higher complexity of intelligence, that gives us more choice points, that gives us more flexibility in our responses and our perceptions, which then allows us to make better choices. So to either stay with someone or not, to adapt, to um, try and work things out or whatever that is, but it comes from a higher place. It comes from a more complex highly intelligent, mature perspective instead of from self-protection. Sometimes the choice that one person makes and another person makes might look exactly the same, whether it's to stay with somebody or to leave or whatever that choice of behavior is, but it's where it comes from that matters. Is it coming from that higher perspective that's really mature and aligned with what that person really desires for themselves in a really healthy way? Or are they making that choice based on running away or fighting or hiding or self-defeating, self-protective mechanisms? Those choices are generally the ones that haunt us in some ways or leave us feeling like we didn't do it the right way. We didn't resolve it the way we wanted. So sometimes our choices are can be exactly the same, but it's where, where that choice is coming from. How complex and mature is the system that is informing that choice that matters. And so mastery over our internal state, which has a lot to do with our inner dialogue, our thought patterns, 
our physiological stress responses that we can actually have cortical control over, that we can control to, to a certain degree. Mastery over that helps us be a little bit more engaged in live data right now with that person rather than distorting things from our past. And the reason why that's so important is that if we don't get mastery over our internal state and over our distress levels, our dysregulation levels, if we don't get mastery over that, then what happens when we're in a state of distress and defense is our attentional mechanisms actually narrow and they narrow very rigidly and tightly onto a threat. And generally speaking, our brain-body system will search for the most immediate thing that it can deduce as the threat, which will be the person who is in our current situation or environment. So what often happens is that in a dysregulated place, if we're not mastering our distress levels, our attention will narrow its focus very tightly and very rigidly on every signal and gesture of the person we are in relationship with now and it will perceive it that this is the one and only reason we are stressed or angry or feeling shame and generally speaking all of our emotions have patterns this isn't the first time this is not the one and only reason that person is not the one and only reason we have those feelings. And I think it's really important for us to open up to that possibility. So as we do that, if we do have our focus very tightly and rigidly on one particular person, and we're perceiving that to be the one and only reason we are upset, this leads us to neglect two very important things. We're now focusing so much on their behavior and their gestures and their signals that we are abandoning our own awareness of our own internal state. And there are deeper aspects to our internal state that when we really pay attention to them, we can get clear on what matters to us and what we need to stand up for, what our boundaries are, but also what we need to ask for because we, we may want a certain level of clo- closeness or whatever that is and we don't know how to ask for it. So there's aspects to our internal state that we might be ignoring when we're focusing completely on another person's behavior and signals. The other thing we start to ignore is many other parts of our experience that includes other people and other forms and sources of love and flow and energy and all and healing that would really help us regulate our nervous system so that we could show up and we could respond to the current relationship or person in a way that might actually have the outcome we we desire, which I have in brackets here is always a regulated internal state. We think our desire is possibly another person's behavior, but that's not actually true. It's always our internal experience that matters. That's a whole other topic. All of that comes back to this idea of self-abandonment, what we abandon oftentimes when we're in relationship, where we abandon others' forms and sources of love and support. We abandon ourselves, how we tune into ourselves we tune into how do we regulate ourselves, how do we ask for what we need, but also how do we find our own peace and our own love as well so that we can show up in ways that really help us get better outcomes for what we're looking for.
just the next section is a bit on how we can really stay open to learning that when we do have a relationship with someone or a connection with someone where we feel like it's something we really value and that they share a certain kind of mission and dialect as we do for example that the only way we can truly figure out if first of all we can update our own patterns as well as create that sense of reliability that sense of anchoring with somebody the only possibility is over time and the only other possibility is through ups and downs because if a system is never tested if there are no challenges there's always going to be kind of a sense of delicacy to it that well things have been going great but what if something horrible happened would that person stay by my side the only way we can test this the only way we can truly know how a system might endure is it it needs to go through some setbacks and some ups and downs and some variability so we need to have a new paradigm a new mindset about challenges and relationships and understand that they the very process of going through the challenge and working it out that building of muscle of emotional muscle is specifically what strengthens the system over time so there can be a part of us that actually welcomes that knowing that if we are really in it for the long haul and we're really sharing a mission to have a beautiful relationship that we model for others as well then having that kind of north star i call it as guidance can help us feel a little bit more not even just tolerant of challenges but really embracing them in that sense, opening ourselves to them. finally just the other section I'll just touch on is the idea of self-transcendent purpose of relationship which is that when we have a purpose that is to serve something bigger than ourselves this is called self-transcendent purpose that can help us stay open to learning and evolving for me what's very important about learning about and experimenting and exploring the idea of romantic and marriage partners is that I think it's our chance to pass this on to our children. I think many of us have been modeled less healthy, not particularly healthy relationships in most of our childhoods and and growing up. I think there's a lot of intergenerational trauma, and part of this is just from we had less learning about this. We had less information that was shared, you know, from our our grandparents' generation, even our parents' generation. We have the chance to update this we have knowledge now about how experience dependent the brain is so it's very important for us to really take care of the kids and to really set those roots in a really healthy way and we also know that it's possible for us to update as adults as well it just takes a little bit more effort so at least for me personally having a self-transcendent purpose to this is one way to really get clear on how open I want to be in learning about this. And I think that's something that 
could be helpful for a lot of people who are in relationships to understand that this isn't just for them. It's not just for their specific relationship. It's a way to offer this as a service to humanity, that the more of us that learn about this and figure out how to be really resilient and regulated and perseverant in our relationships and very, very open to constantly learning, that the more of us that do that, the more we are going to pass this on to other people around us and to the next generation. And I do believe that this is, in a sense, the new frontier, the next frontier of science. I think that even in the field of neuroscience, it's been very one-person focused because of how we've measured things. And I think that we're starting to really see the limits of that. And the concept of attachment and bonding and affiliation and how we are in our social matrices and constructs, we're starting to see that it's very, very important for us to figure this out. And I think that the roots of so much of this have to do with pair bonding and these intimate relationships. They are the fabric of a healthy society. They are the anchor and the home base for children, for the next generation, for who keeps emerging in the world. And they are also, they're an opportunity for all of us as grown-ups to create that sense of a reliable anchor, that home base, that nest, with also the opportunity to really explore and navigate the world in a really brave way, in a curiosity-filled way because of the emotional safety that we have the chance to create. But it does require work and an anticipation of setbacks and a trust in our ability to constantly learn because we are humans and that is our superpower. So that is my article. I'm only going to go over that one for today. That was enough because I did a lot of ad lib. (laughs) So I am going to be heading to Calgary for a couple of months, starting in January, to help out with just some family stuff. And then very likely moving to Montana after that. I am very ready to be leading some retreats next year so i will keep you posted they will be partner based i think it's really important for us to have that kind of partner led and team led kind of gatherings and learnings for us i think that's also another frontier that i think is important in leadership as well for there to be co-leadership and co-facilitation of things if you want to receive my newsletter I do post every once in a while, so you can subscribe at stephaniefay.com. I'm also going to be experimenting, so this is more just a private thing, but I will update you on what I find out about it. This idea of inner bonding and a combination of resilience and trauma healing and psychotherapy and neuroscience and all of that stuff, 
I really want to bring that into some kind of retreat-like or seminar-like teaching with a partner. But what I'm going to be doing first is experimenting with some of that material in Calgary with a few close friends of mine. So I will, I hope to bring some of that teaching to you as well as we go. And that will be in the new year. Stay tuned. I will post another podcast interview that I had recently with Loretta Bruning of the Inner Manimal Institute. And we will, I'll share that in a few weeks. So thanks so much for tuning in to this special episode of me reading an article. (laughs) And I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you.